Rise of Teladar from the Perspective of Luna the Lice. Chapter 5 Leaving Kresk and Journeys on the Road to Hollowhell. I sat and did my morning meditation after packing up. I heard unfamiliar footsteps wandering about the smith's shop. It must have been Shava. After a while, I went to talk with Jaximus. He was preparing spells. I sat next to him when he asked me what else he should prep. Then the young man came back. He was holding five hairs. Shava said something that made the boy mad and he left. We then all got up and agreed to further investigate the keep. Approaching the stairs, we walked around the trap door and through the gaping hole that was now the keep's door. Again, Grim climbed up the wall and threw down a rope. We all climbed up and started looking around. We walked to the door opposite the one that we entered before. I tapped the door and a puff of gas burst out. I quickly held my breath and backed away. Grim then tested the other door by throwing rocks at it. We all just looked at him and walked through the open door out of the double doors. We saw a disheveled barracks through this. There were dead bodies all over the floor. Most of them were human. Among the upturned tables and other furnishings were two bookshelves. On the shelves were several water-damaged books. Only one was legible, and it was on the Twelfth War. Grim then moved the shelf and found a door and a strange black knife. It was curved, and the blade was on the wrong side. Also, it had the strange spikes like the swords the kobolds had. In the end, we couldn't link it to anything, but it looked like an assassin's blade. Jaximus then walked to the door behind the shelf. He investigated it and then asked Grim to open it due to his low health. Grim walked back to the room and came back with a boulder. He threw the large stone at the door and it flew off its hinges. Needles shut out of the frame, dripping with poison. We all carefully walked through the doorway and into an office. Splayed along the floor were notes, letters, and other documents. All were laid out in a grid fashion and seemed to be organized by date and topic. Through these notes we learned that the Burgomaster had gone to seek assistance from the dwarves. He left with the twenty-some-odd fighting men that lived in Kresk. He also left someone named Jeffrey in charge. Shava informed us that that was the name of the kid that was in the smithy. Also, most of the personal correspondence were between the Lord of Hollowhelm and the Burgomaster here. However, later ones were between this Jeffrey and someone named Mistra, who apparently was the smith in Kresk. With the original letters, they were normally the Burgomaster wanting artisans, and kept mentioning that the Lord was being unreasonable by not sending them just because they were ancestrally trained by dwarves. He also constantly offered to send Mistra's works because she was apparently a renowned smith. Eventually the documents changed to, rather than being the letters from the Burgomaster, to the letters between Geoffrey and Mistra. The notes often mentioned the word Ursa, who I could only connect to a saint of the Wild Mother. The term was used as a verb, a noun, and sometimes an adjective. Every now and then it would refer to a place or thing, but at other times it would refer to an effect or a condition. After a first runover, we started reading the notes. There were notes and markings scrawled in the margins, some written in awful gobelonoid. Others were written in dwarf, in what Grimm called Kuzdul, and others were written in what I noticed as Vidalkin Arcanum. After piecing what we could together, Grimm and I noted that the things being written were from captives. Everything written in Kuzdul or Arcanum were things about their captors. Jaximus read some of the goblinoid after casting Comprehend Languages. The text talked about what they should send to someone named 
Kadrul. The text kept mentioning this figure by different names, names like Magnificent, Tyrant, and finally, Warlord. That last one made me perk up. Warlords are bad. Hobgoblin warlords are worse. A hobgoblin warlord is a persuasive warrior. They command armies of goblins and hobgoblins, uniting them underneath of one rule. This warlord apparently belonged to Naldragos. We should pack all this up. I said. Jaxmus opened the back cover of his spellbook. Here, use my spellbook. We started systematically collecting the papers in the same order they were splayed out. After that, Shava looked out the window and saw a raven. Does that bird look familiar to you guys? I turned and looked. It was familiar. So I shot it with an eldritch blast. In a puff of feathers, the... imp fell to the courtyard floor. Grim leapt out and scaled the wall to investigate the imp. Shava followed. Grim then did that thing where he closes his eyes and a pulse of light shot out in a circle around him. Loon, shoot the bird above you. He called. I leaned out the window and held my sword in my hand. Aiming the blade, it started to glow white, and a blast flew towards the bird, missing it just barely. Shava tried to throw her turret again, using catapult. Only this time, the spell backfired, and the small cannon flew sideways into Grim. Jaximus then walked to the window and cast magic missile. Three small marbles of force appeared in the air and launched themselves into the bird above, and killed it, exposing another imp. Shava then readied her crossbow at the other raven and landed a bolt in its wing. As it staggered away, I took a swing at it. White light arced out and flew at the bird and dropped it to the floor, revealing another imp. Grim then wall jumped up to the roof to look for something that he saw. While Grim was clanking around on the roof, I searched around the study. Where would someone hide something? I thought. I then turned to the painting. I ran my fingers along the edge and found that one side opened like a door. As I pulled, I heard a crackling sound of energy. I ran my hand down to the base of the painting. My fingers played at a small screw. I kept tenderly playing at it, twisting it out of the setting it was in. As I withdrew to the vise, I found it was a small gem charged with a spell. Holding it carefully, I swung the painting aside, revealing a breastplate made of gold with marks of evocation etched into the plate. At this point, Grim and Shava had re-entered the room. I walked over to Jacksmith with the strange little gem. He peered at it and claimed that it was a charged item. I let him keep it. Grim then walked to the open painting. He reached out to the plate and stopped. His hand hit a thin wire. Reaching around it, he grabbed the breastplate and drew it out from the compartment. After inspecting the plate, we thought that Jacksmith might be able to wear it. After all, it had symbols of evocation. Jaximus donned the armor and instantly dropped to the floor. Grim caught him before he hurt himself. We then removed the plate from Jaximus and started managing Grim's pack to try and fit the plate in. After some inventory management, we managed to fit the best plate into Grim's backpack, and then he showed us what he found on the roof. It was a crossbow bolt, made entirely out of metal. Jaximus took the arrow and tapped it against the wall. Eventually, he hit the wall at just the right angle, and a small bar shot out from the tip. Jaximus remarked that this arrow was used to mark things, or rather people. It would be shot at someone, and would be difficult to impossible to remove. We then started to walk back to the blacksmith's shop. We entered and saw that Jeffrey was there. He was unwrapping one of the rabbits. 
He greeted us hesitantly and appeared to be hiding something. I thought nothing of it, but apparently Grim took offense at him hiding something. Oi, what's that you got there, laddie? What? Uh, nothing, Jeffrey said. Aye, are you sure about that? I said it's nothing! Jeffrey then left and closed the door behind him. Grim followed and put his ear to the door. When Jeffrey came back, Grim started pestering him again. Eventually, Grim left. Then we started trying to talk with the frazzled Jeffrey. Oh, here are some letters. Jacksimus said. He then just handed the letters over very unceremoniously. I just kind of looked at him, a little dazed. Then Jacksimus left for Chava and I to talk with Jeffrey. Why are you even here? We are here to help, Shava said. Really, because I don't see any helpers. I see looters. I looked out at the corpses in the snow. My guy, we just killed every goblin here, lest anyone still be alive and in need of help. And we got you some things from the keep. Look, could you just please leave? Yeah, sure guy. I then left the smithy. Grim was talking with Barakiel, and Jacksmith was talking with the charge, Donner who apparently appeared earlier this morning. He was trying to teach his charge how to summon a horse. After everyone got done getting ready, we headed to the east exit of the town. Upon approaching the exit, Grim hefted a rock and threw it to see if it would set off any traps. He overshot and actually hit the plateau. This caused a rock slide that set off a lot of traps. We then clambered and led the horses across the new difficult terrain. We then traveled for quite a while. While we were riding, I read my book written by Jim Darkmagic. Then we ran into a raven. I tried speaking to it. Oh, hey, Jonathan. The raven landed, and its form shifted into that of a man. Hey, Loon. Who is this guy? Jackson has asked. A uh, brother of a friend of Mars named Tomas. I explained. Yeah, I'm glad to see my friends got you here. You evaded the dragon, then? Grim asked. Yeah. Barely, but yeah. So then what are you doing back here? They started talking about something that wasn't too interesting to me. Eventually, Jonathan mentioned leaving. Oh, well then, see ya. Uh, want some booze first? Oh, no. I never drink and fly. And at that he was off. Eventually we started looking for a place to camp. We started looking at a certain spot, then Shava found a gulch that we could camp in. We led the horses over and slid down into the crevasse. We started trying to make a campfire. Jacksmith and I got it put together using magic. Everyone then scheduled watches, and we went to bed. When I woke, I took the time to change out my cantrips. Looking at my status menu, I opened a small spellbook and removed Firebolt, replaced it with Mending. Then I looked at my code I got from Tomaz, the one built for winter, and started mending it. A glowing needle appeared in my fingers, and I started stitching the slash marks made from the kobold's blades with a glowing thread. We then got up and traveled. It was mostly fine until around one in the afternoon. Here we came across what looked like a small standing stone. Grim dismounted and started wiping off snow. After a moment, it was apparent that it was a shrine to Lythander, the Morning Lord. Also, the shrine was defaced and covered in goblinoid graffiti. It looked like a holy fire appeared in Grim's eyes as he readied a cleaning cloth. Jacksmith held him back, though, and started teaching his charge how to cast Comprehend Languages. They both seemed to connect the spell and started reading Goblinoid. Then Jacksmith pointed out a specific sentence. When land is 40 feet down, scale cliff, and find cave. Is that everything important, then, Jacksmith? I'd like to get this cleaned up. Yeah, that's about it. Grim and I then attacked the shrine with cleaning rags. 
We left the shrine neatly polished and were filled with an inspiring feeling. We traveled farther down the road and eventually came out of the lowlands. We started climbing rolling hills. Eventually we came to a place where there was a sheer drop for about 40 feet. Grim, Jaxmus, and I all dismounted and headed for the cliff edge. Grim held out a rope and dropped the loose end off the edge. Jaxmus started heading down. He wound up fumbling and cutting the rope with his claws. In a panic, he clung to the cliff face and started crawling down. Grim then headed down after him, shoving his gauntlets into the earth, forcing the rock to allow him to climb. Shava, Donner, and I all sat in silence for a moment. Then we heard a latch pull. In an instant, the floor underneath of Shava's horse opened. Quickly, Shava spread out her wings and held herself in the air. The horse was not as lucky and fell to the cave base with a sickening crack. Eventually, Grim and Jacksmith came out from the door. It was kind of obvious who pulled open the door. What just happened? Donner asked. Jaximus started to try and go into a deep discussion about life and death until Grim cut him off. Hey, that horse is super dead, Grim said with about as much grace as a punch to the stomach. Donner started to cry and then began walking down the road alone. We all mounted and started walking down after him. Donner seemed to keep his distance from Grim and me. To be fair, I am an elf. And seemed to gravitate towards Shava. The rest of the day was like that until we came upon twilight. We came to the crest of a hill and Grim removed a slip of paper from under his breastplate. He unfurled it and began to read aloud in Celestial. Here where many have fell, let us pass and remain well. We heard the sound of a sword sheath and carried on. Eventually we heard goblins giggling. Get up, boys! Then a horde of goblins came rushing up the road. A cry rose from all around us. For Lord Everthian! The sound of swords unsheathing was heard. The goblins were cut to bits by invisible warriors. We then continued through the road unheeded until we reached Hollowhelm. We saw a flickering light at the top of the 15 to 20 foot wall. Right, who are you down there? Grim tried to respond by shouting. Grim Shepherd! Eh, you what? I used minor illusion to throw my voice up the wall. We are Luna Voice. What? Speak up! Pushed my voice farther up. We are Luna Voice, Jacksmith, Grim Shepherd, and Shava. What are you doing here? Traveling. Like to be traveling? It was a long day. The light flickered and dimmed as he walked away. Eventually, a small door opened beside the large draw gate. A torch-holding human stepped out. All right, come step into the light. I walked up and stood in front of the torch-bearing guard. Eh, Ladrin. Name? Luna Voice. Okay, stand over there. Next, you. Come into the light. Jaximus walked up. Eh, Tabaxi. Name? Jaximus said his name in Tabaxi. Oh, I figured it'd be something as filthy as that. Right, step over there. No sudden moves. Next, you there, ma'am. Come into the light. Shava stepped forward. The man squinted and tried to get a good look at her. Name, miss? Shava. Family name? Shava just shook her head. All right. Next, stand over there. Ugh, dwarf. No sun moves, filth. Name? Grim Shepherd. Right, Jim Shepherd. Right, that'll be a ten gold from each and uh, fifteen from the dwarf. I handed over gold for myself and Jacksmith did the same. I don't have much gold, Shava said. I'll cover you. I handed over another ten gold. Never met a generous elf before. Nice change of pace. Dwarf, 15 gold. 
Do you want me to bring out the smite hammer? If you're going to be causing problems with talk like that, hand over your axe too, dwarf. Fine. Grim started to hand over the axe and the 15 gold that he owed. I tapped the small pin that Tamaz gave me. My words started to flow out like silk, and in my eyes, wispy purple tendrils flowed forth to the three guards. Gentlemen, couldn't you just give me the axe? The old guard's eyes seemed to flash a royal purple. Uh, sure, of course. Probably belongs to someone like you anyway, sirs. He flipped the axe and handed it over to me by the hilt. I grabbed it and put it in my belt. Don't worry, sir. If we see him with it, we'll confiscate and return it to you. I turned to enter the town. Understood. As we entered, Grim turned and started a minor fight with the guards. I had to interpose to dissolve it. Once the party was together, I found someone to ask about the town. It was a young lady. Hello, miss. Yes, sir. Could you tell me where an inn is? Ah, yes. There is the spinning crown. It's just at the end of the street here. And then there's the bent spear as well. Just turn left at the plaza. Thank you, ma'am. We then started off for the plaza and saw a rather large statue. I started walking to it to see if it had a plaque. In this time, we ran into a procession of nobles. Grim wound up getting surrounded by them. A young noblewoman started to squeak out what sounded like Vidalkin. Oh, aren't you just darling? Oh, you have to look at this, sweetheart. Oh my goodness, you won't believe it. A little halfling all dressed up as a dwarf. Oh, look at you in your armor and your beard. I just removed myself from the situation and kept walking towards the statue. It was the likeness of a knight on a horse, the plaque read. Here lies Aaron in Evertheon. May the statue not only stand in his memory, but in memoriam of all who gave their lives for the safety and security of the South. On top of the plaque was a portrait of a man in paper. Missing. Valbandar Elath. If found, contact Damien Allstone at the Evertheon Estate. I took a small break from this, and tried to get Grimm out of his situation. Turning to the nobles, I cranked up the elvish accent. Madame and Monsignor, do you not know that this is a dwarf, yes? The nobleman turned to me, eyes bright, as he started speaking to me in full elvish. Eshante, Mr. Elitrin. I understand that your friend is a dwarf, but my wife is very drunk. Uh, sir, he is not only a dwarf, but is also a paladin. Uh, give her this small uh, favor. She is uh, very uh, drunk, as you can see, and uh, perhaps it will improve her mood. Besides, in my experience, holy men who are this flustered this quickly will uh, find a fun time in uh, Hollowhelm. Grim was then carried off by the procession. I went back to the missing poster and sketched the look of the man on the paper. After finishing the sketch, I headed into the spinning crown, since that's where Grim went. I looked around and found him sitting next to a half-sun elf. I walked up while the half-elf was talking. It's a simple job, lad. All I'm asking is that you... No. Hello, sir. Uh, friend of Grim's here? I just sat in a chair and motioned him to keep going. The offer is very kind, Master Grimm, but we do have standards here. Nothing against you specifically, but there's actually a standing agreement between the Spinning Crown and the Aranin Theatre here. The rotation of performers from the theatre and here is a result of a long-standing uh, awareness of the quality of performers that we create at the theatre. 
That there in the corner is Master Reynolds. Incredible job in the liar he does. But you'd be surprised, he does a better stand-up than he does a performance. I understand you were offering something before I interrupted you, sir. Uh, I'd appreciate a round, and I'd certainly be happy to provide information for a good, strong drink. Fine, I'll pay. A round of lagers here. Oi, Maddie, come by. I've got an order for you. A young, overworked barmaid came to the table. What? I'm sorry, uh, your order was what? Uh, I didn't quite hear that. Oh, lager for me, and uh, ales for the two of you, I'd think. Oh, okay. Um, th- th- that'll that'll be re about uh three, no, t- two gold in total. Grim plunks down four gold on the table. Uh, no, sir. It's 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 just t- two gold, no more. Aye, lass. Go ahead and take the money. The barmaid then broke down at the table and eventually went off to the bar. I left to get a smoke and to start stitching my coat again. As I opened the door, I ran into Shava and Donner. Oh, hey, uh. What's up? You have the cash to pay for a little? Oh, right. Oh, and kid? I dropped to a knee. Taking a dagger off of my chest strap, I offered it in sheath to Donner. We're in a big city now. You'll want to be armed. The kid just hugged Shava's leg. I shrugged and started off in the direction of the bent spear. Upon entering, I walked to the bar. Rooms for the night, please. All right, sir, I'm going to need uh, seven silver for the room. I placed 14 silver on the counter. Um, sir, that's too much for the room. I need two, one for me and one for the lady and the kid. All right, then, uh, breakfast is at eight. Uh, with the room, you'll be getting beet soup. There'll be drinks. Uh, I'm going to bed. Please don't cause trouble or we'll have to throw you out. I walked up to my room and threw my pack off. Then I interacted with the bag. My inventory came up and I started running through what I was carrying. I selected two things from a while ago. They fizzled into existence in my hand. They were two pendants from Mistborn. One was an anchor on a long gold chain. The other was a simple emerald leaf. I started looking at the leaf. It was completely non-magical, but it was so perfect. Intricate without end... The closer and closer I looked at it, the more intricate it got. I opened its menu and sent it back into storage. I then investigated the anchor. It had the same issue. It was too non-magical. In an attempt to understand more, I put the pendant on. I felt powerful. I also felt like I needed to understand this more. I would need to study it. No one could know I had it, and a status list showed up in front of me. Water breathing. Swimming speed. Knowledge of Dwarven Navy. Charm Dwarves. I then sat down on the bed and laid back to go to sleep. As I drifted off, my eyes fluttered close, and I saw an eye. I shot up in bed. Nothing was different. I laid back and fell asleep with no issues. Tales of Teladar is written and produced by Alex Pierre. The campaign that Tales of Teladar is based off is DM'd by Luke Warner. 
Loon Everweiss is a character in said campaign, voiced by and played by Alex Peer. Grim Shepherd, played and voiced by Danny. Jack Smith is voiced and played by Garrett. All non-player characters are voiced by Luke Warner. If you'd like to further support the podcast, consider going over to the Nacho Warlock YouTube and smacking that big ol' red subscribe button. Also, we have a Patreon, Studio Warlock at patreon.com. Link's in the description. For $3, you can get some scripts for all of these and some reimagined uh, animation frames from my videos on YouTube. And for $6, I can actually pay Luke for his beautiful, beautiful voice acting, because Lord knows I can't right now. Also, in the $6 tier, you'll get some stuff that us players aren't allowed to see. Stuff that maybe he ditched along the way because it just wouldn't fit into the campaign. And that's about it. Thank you, viewer, for listening to this podcast. And uh, I'd like to just give off one final farewell. Me here at Studio Warlock would like to say, safe travels and happy hunting.